Good morning, everyone. I wanted to record a, uh, a quick uh, podcast on what um, I wrote this morning. Basically, uh, what I talk about is The Lion King uh, is an animated movie that's captured children for decades. And uh, there's a lot of life lessons that can come out of it. But one of the core ideas is this circle of life. Um, and in the movie, it, there's actually two meanings to that. The first is that uh, a young cub, Simba, eventually grows up and becomes king of the jungle after his father's death, which is followed by him having his own cub. Um, but also that the animal kingdom relies on energy passing through various forms, meaning that animals eat the grass, other animals eat those animals, etc. So energy kind of continues passing through this circle of life. Um, this idea of a repeating circle is very obvious uh, in nature, but it also exists in an economy. Uh, an overgeneralized version of the economy circle of life sounds something like uh, the material producers uh, then send those materials to suppliers, suppliers turn those materials into products, businesses buy the products and resell them to consumers. Those businesses take revenue from the consumers and use it to pay rent to the landlords that provide office and retail space. Those landlords make payments to the banks in exchange for financing the purchases of the buildings. And finally, those banks provide capital back to the material producers to restart the circle of life. It's not a perfect example, but it gives you a general idea of how this circle of life uh, in the economy works. Um, and it's important to understand right now because we're witnessing a chain reaction that starts with uh, that circle of life uh, being broken in the economy. Uh, and it all starts with businesses. They're the most vulnerable link in the circle. So we've recently seen a significant drop in consumer demand coupled with government-mandated shutdowns of many businesses. Uh, the consumers are becoming scared of COVID-19, which led them to stop spending money on travel, hospitality, and other industries. Then as the virus became more serious, the government stepped in and began ordering the shutdown of many non-essential businesses in many cities and states across the United States. This has two impacts on the economic circle of life. The upstream impact is the first. Um, as businesses close, they no longer need the supplies from their suppliers and vendors. They go from consistent weekly or monthly orders to zero overnight. This obviously leads to lost revenue for the suppliers along with existing inventory that they cannot sell. So the suppliers then need to slow their ordering from the material producers, et cetera. And so what this does is it creates significant issues upstream. You could think of this like a dam in a river. Once the dam is in place, everything upstream backs up and just sits there until the dam is opened or removed. But there's also a downstream impact. So most businesses in America are seeing revenue drop significantly, including many cases where it's going to zero. This could be from a lack of consumer demand or the government forcing the business to shut down. In either case, the company has less money coming in the door, but they still have the fixed cost to pay for. So rent is one of the largest fixed costs for most businesses, and there's an immediate pressure applied to the business on the perspective of how are we going to pay our rent? The downstream impact is really, really important. And so estimations today are that we could see GDP drop 25 to 50% in the second quarter of this year, unprecedented type drop, uh, but it's not a random number on the spreadsheet. It has a direct impact on many businesses. And so very few can continue to even pay their rent without revenue coming in the door, let alone employees and other costs. This puts landlords in a really bad place. They can be overly understanding and give tenants deferred rent plans or some version of rent abatement, um, which sounds good in theory, but landlords have loan payments to make to the bank. And so unless the bank makes concessions to the landlord, the landlord is likely unable to make concessions to the tenant. So why wouldn't the banks make concessions to the landlords? Because that leads to questions of solvency for many bank lenders. But you don't have to trust me on this. Billionaire Tom Barrick published an article last night that outlined a lot of this in an articulate yet urgent manner. Um, there's a bunch of pieces that I included 
in uh, the write-up this morning that you can read through, uh, but he essentially highlights the breaking of the economic circle of life. He says, quote, now everyone from corporations and small mid-sized businesses to employees and laborers from all walks of life have been displaced by the normal chain of revenue generation, cash flow, and income necessary to meet their obligations from payment of salaries, rent payments, mortgage payments, and all other debts and bills required in the daily life of every business and every American. He goes on to call out a second crisis that's occurring, uh, which is essentially in the, uh, the mortgage or financial markets. Uh, he then explains one of the key risk currently is that the financial system could lose the trust of people if the crisis is not handed well. Uh, he then clearly articulates the challenge at hand in the real estate market. Um, and, and luckily for him, though, uh, this morning, um, it looks like the Federal Reserve is going to step in with some level of assistance. So they made this big announcement. Um, they've essentially gone from last Sunday saying they're going to conduct $700 billion of quantitative easing, which would have allowed them to buy $500 billion in treasuries and $200 billion in mortgage-backed securities, to now they're saying that they are going to move that $700 billion number to unlimited. Literally, they use the word unlimited and would be expanding the types of bonds that they would purchase to include corporate bonds and quote government backed debt tied to commercial real estate end quote uh and so this is an insane situation absolutely insane as much as i want to complain about the actions that the fed is taking i'm not sure that we should be complaining right now it's the ultimate short-term long-term trade-off the federal reserve has to take these actions or we risk a downward spiral that ends with something that looks much much worse than the great depression so quite literally if they don't act america may not survive economically uh, the problem is that the actions being taken are good short-term but they are horrible long-term decisions we're talking about infinite quantitative easing whatever it takes that is what we need right now but that will cause incredibly long-term damage to the U.S. dollar and the economy. Remember, when countries have previously turned on the printing machine with lack of discipline, it almost never ended well. So the United States is the greatest country in the world. We have some of the smartest financial minds in the world as we work right now. I have no doubt that we will survive this crisis, but it won't come without a long-term cost. The economic circle of life has been broken. This causes a systematic breakdown across the economy, upstream and downstream. The stimulus can provide a Band-Aid, but nothing will solve the problem like getting American businesses back online and producing again. So stay safe this week. I think it's going to be another wild week and I'll talk to you guys tomorrow.